Welcome to Lost in Menstruation, a podcast for women who want to find a better way to hormonal health. I'm your host, Gemma Barry, an ex-nurse, period activist, comedian and herbalist. You might think that's a strange combination, but I wouldn't be where I am without those skills, let me tell you. Be ready for health tips and banter, no filter talking, belly laughs, and most importantly, finding your map so you aren't lost in menstruation. This is the stuff you wish you'd known years ago, but it's never too late. Let's get started. Hi, and welcome to another episode of Lost in Menstruation. Today, I am joined by the amazing Vix Layton, who is a comedian on the circuit. I've seen her perform a few times. She's an amazing lady. Hey, Vix, how are you doing? I'm great. Um, I feel the same about you. You're one of the first um, female comedians I encountered on the circuit. It was like one of my very, very early gigs. I've only been doing this about a year. And I just thought you were great. Like you really, uh, it, it's nice when like material really speaks to you. And yeah. I remember a few of yours really resonating. I was like, I love this. I need to it. <laughs> Definitely resonates with anyone who's got a uterus, my stuff. So... <laughs> yeah absolutely absolutely so um thanks so much for coming along onto the podcast uh and um i wondered if you could let our listeners know about how you kind of started out got interested in comedy because it's always a really interesting question this yeah it came from a feminist place um i have a corporate job as a day job unbelievably comedy's not paying me uh, <laughs> or anyone at the moment though so I suppose I shouldn't complain um so in my corporate job I work in the kind of place where I often get asked to speak at conferences yep and I became phobic of public speaking years ago I can't even tell you when it's not I didn't have some kind of traumatic horrible experience where like my top fell off when I was speaking in front of an assembly or anything <laughs> I used to love it as well because I did GCSE drama. I used to absolutely love showing off effectively. <laughs> but somewhere along the way, I lost my nerve. And then losing my nerve, I started to worry so much about each speaking thing because yeah. I feared that feeling of not being in control that it became like this psychological barrier to doing anything. So it, it was speaking in front of a lot of people. Then it escalated to if it was like six or seven people, even people I knew, I just yeah. couldn't, I would do it. Yeah. Because I had to do it in my job, but my leg would be twitching, my eyelid would be doing that weird twitching thing that occasionally it does. And I would just hate the run up to it. I'd love performing, even yeah. in a meeting. I love like connecting with people and getting them to understand my points, but the stress of it just put me off putting myself forward for anything. Yeah. So I was also, whilst turning down conferences, going to conferences and complaining that the panels are all male pale and stale so I would be the person on Twitter going where are all the women um yeah. and then I get asked and I would say no and it's like I kind of have to own this I have to either stop complaining about it and accept yeah. that men are putting themselves forward and women aren't because I'm a case in point or I have to be part of the solution so yeah. I drunkenly signed up to the funny women's day workshop on yeah. stand-up skills just for life so it's kind of pitched as if you're interested in stand-up you'll get something from it but even if you just want to be a better public speaker if you want to communicate better you're going to learn something from it so I yeah, signed yeah. up it was like I think it was like 60 pounds which is not a lot of money so right up until the day that I was going to go to the course I wasn't sure if I was going to do it because <laughs> in that way and it was the same when I got my tattoos you spend the whole time going why am I actively choosing to put myself through something that I think I'm going to find horrendous? 
<laughs> yeah, yeah I, I am in control of this. What am I doing? Um, yeah. So I tweeted about it and said, oh, I'm doing this at Funny Women thing. And it got retweeted. And then somebody who lives in my hometown in Cardiff tweeted back to say she was traveling to go to it. Yeah. And as oh, soon- I like a bit of serendipity yeah. like that. <laughs> exactly. And as soon as I knew somebody apart from the course leader expected me to be there it was the social push I needed to go because it's like oh if I don't go that person who I don't even know is gonna know that I bottled out of it that was just like the one thing and the universe kind of helped me out there um because if nobody had tweeted me back I probably wouldn't have gone I would have bottled out of it but I went and I really enjoyed the day and um the that person that tweeted me is now one of my really close friends um Jen Smith who's also on the circuit but on the circuit at home and we have been yeah, it, it was an absolute like gift from the universe, basically, yeah. to find her. We just got on to the point where when we sat together in the course, you're not supposed to sit with anybody you know, because they want you to feel the right level of uncomfortable. So yeah. we were getting on so well within minutes that the course leader was like, you can't sit with your friends. We're like, we're not friends. We just met. <laughs> <laughs> uh, love it. I love those kind of stories. That probably gives you goosebumps, that does. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so we did the course and um, I was still nervous, but I was kind of pumped for it. And at the end, um, one of the people in the class said to me, so what's your next stand-up gig? Because I've been funny. They assumed that I wanted to do comedy. And I was like, oh, no, no, no. I'm, I'm learning skills, but I'm not interested in doing comedy. But then I came away and I was like, where am I? Yeah. <laughs> am I interested in doing comedy? Maybe I am. So I did that thing that you do when you don't want to take responsibility for yourself. And I put something on Facebook saying, does anyone know any comedy nights that I can join as the new person? Yeah, Loads yeah. of people were very supportive of the idea, but nobody had any practical help for me. Did the same on Twitter. And I kind of thought, there we go. I asked the universe, like Noel Edmonds said you should. And the universe did not deliver me any comedy gigs. So I, I did the best I could. It's not for me. Yeah, but yeah. Um, I got into a conversation with Katie Brand and Mark Watson, the comedians, on Twitter in that way that you weirdly sometimes end up doing. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> so they had both followed me. And Mark saw my tweet that I was starting stand-up and said, are you doing stand-up comedy? I was like, no, no, I did a course. They are not the same. Um, <laughs> he's, he was doing this 26-hour marathon show for charity. And he yeah. said, you want to learn stand-up as a challenge for charity? Go away, get sponsorship, come down on the day and we'll get people to teach you. Amazing. And I felt sick because like Mark Watson is one of my favourite comedians in the world. Like I've followed him for years because um, he, he was, because oh, he's from a Welsh mum, so he's technically not yeah. not Welsh, but he pretended to be very Welsh for a while. Yeah, so we yeah. thought he was our own in Cardiff when he first started out on the circuit. I used to go and see him in Glee. So I was like, oh my God, my favourite comedian has invited me on the stage with him. Yeah. But also I'm really scared. But also Mark Watson. But also I'm really scared. And um, I also, I wasn't somebody who did things on their own either. Like yeah. I could just, I can just about sit in a pub on my own now if I've got a book or yeah. a laptop or something. Because part of your work life, you have to find places to go and work. But I was never somebody who felt comfortable. Like if I wanted to go to a gig and no one wanted to go with me, I just wouldn't go. Yeah. So this was the first thing I committed to. And it was 26 hours back to back overnight yeah I knew no mate was gonna come with me so (laughs) like by the end of the 26 hours I kind of learned a lot 
about myself beyond like the skills, yeah. little bits and pieces of comedy that I'd picked up over the course of the day. So I got to go on the stage a few times, which was really exciting because it was like 100 people. First time I was terrified, like my top lip was stuck to my teeth. <laughs> I hate that when you've just like, got no moisture like, in your mouth at all. I've forgotten how to speak. Like, ah! It's like you've got false teeth in. You're like... Yeah. <laughs> and you're saying, um, you're making sounds, but you're not sure if they're words. And if they're words, you're not sure they're sentences. So that was the first one. But by the third time I got up, I kind of had lent into it and I was really getting a buzz out of saying things that people were laughing at. It's the most supportive audience I could have hoped for. And after that, um, one of the guys that did a little bit of a session with me, Tom Tuck, runs a night called ACMS, and he booked me for my first gig. Amazing. And that was the start of it. And I fell in love with it. So I did like 100 gigs in a year. So I did my 100th gig almost to the day that I did my first one, also at ACMS. And that was the week before lockdown. So. Wow. You do, you've done good, man. You've done good. That is some good going. I was uh, going to do Fringe as well. I had a Fringe venue. I was uh, ready to take a show to Fringe, but next year, next in an year. alternative universe, yeah, an alternative me is probably has taken up smoking with the stress and the pressure of it. <laughs> in a shell Stopping of a and rocking in the corner <laughs> <laughs> with no money. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we don't know what this has saved us from, to be honest, uh, on some yeah. level, for sure. And we can uh, only kind of work with what we've got, but it felt like a fairy tale up until that point. Like, every single thing, like I said, it felt... Yeah. Like, pre oh. almost predetermined, because too many things went well in a row, to the point yeah. where I'm quite... I don't expect stuff to go well, so I knew something was coming, but I didn't realise it was going to be on a global scale. <laughs> a bit rude, isn't it? <laughs> no, sorry, everyone. This might no. be my fault. <laughs> Thanks, Vic. Thanks for that. Yeah, sorry about it. Uh, <laughs> you're bad. It's all on you. Yeah. Oh, that's brilliant. So um, you wrote a uh, an amazing blog, actually, about mental health, comedy, and the thing that plagues us all, the um, comparatonitis. I don't think... I mean, it's rife in comedy, for yeah. sure, because, like, it's such a vulnerable act to put yourself out there. Uh, and no one probably beats us up as much as we do no. <laughs> analyzing your set afterwards like oh my god um but yeah it was a really beautiful piece what made you um like write that and share those kind of thoughts and feelings and stuff I didn't share it with anybody actually I put it on my site for it to be found if people found it but it was yeah. one of those things that I've always had a bit of a problem with body image I think it's true of pretty much all industries that we're in at the moment women are judged differently from men yeah in a lot of ways when presenting people like how you look is part of how you're perceived and I think yeah. there are only there are a few separate buckets of female comics that people can process so there are like the glamorous ones like Catherine Ryan yeah. who are fabulous there you can be a LGBTQ so yeah. you've got the lovely Susie Ruffle, Jen Brister and then there are the other bucket of like the Sarah Millican, every woman leaning into, you have to kind of make fun of yourself before somebody else gets there first. And it's not just Sarah Millican who's done this, you know, she does it very well and it's very relatable, but there's that other yeah. category that they want to put you in a box. They want to know which one you are. So it's like, it, it's always going to be a weird thing, I yeah. think, to step into, particularly as somebody who's been aware of that sort of with like, 
that kind of, well, it's like low level, isn't it? Because yeah. everybody has it in them. I think eating disorders are very prevalent and they're not just confined to people who are bulimic or people who are anorexic. It's just society's imprinted on you the idea that thin is optimum. And it's not just society. I can't just blame magazines. My mum was one of those people. Like, I remember my mum doing the cabbage soup diet when I was very, very young. Yeah. Like, yeah. It was just an accepted thing. It's something you talked about, the water cooler. It's something that still is. Like A lot of good work's been done, but we're not anywhere near there yet. It used to be something you talked about. Like the Special K adverts has literally said, women wear a red swimsuit and eat cereal two meals a day. Like, yeah. Uh, that used to be a thing like we've come a long way and we're very good for it but we are you know you just can't stamp that out and I had this horrible sequence of events um just where people would come up to me at the end and they would go oh my god you remind me so much of and I knew it I'd know it each time I could see them scrabbling around from the name and I didn't want to give it to them because like maybe today it's not that and they're like you remind me of Rebel Wilson it's like the only thing that reminds you of Rebel Wilson is I'm blonde we're of similar ages and I'm fat that's that's you you haven't listened to my material at all because my material does not like I do not touch on that yeah at all really because it's not something I'm comfortable enough to joke about and also I'm I'm aware like occasionally I have done lazy jokes like that and I'm aware that it hurts people yeah who are fat because it's it's fat phobic and I'm a fat person who's fat phobic and so I'd be initially horrified that would be the trigger response like offense and then I feel mortified that I felt offended because I think she's amazing I think she's beautiful and talented and brilliant and it's like I don't feel that way I don't feel negative I don't look at pictures of her and go oh my god she's fat I think she's amazing I feel that way about other big brilliant women but even like the word fat it's taken me ages because like I read Sophie Hagen's book and it has taken me ages to be able to use that on myself and I'm happy to talk about it to other people yeah but I didn't want to apply it to myself because I didn't want to believe it was true. And it's, it's really, it opened up this whole box of like sadness, feeling shame for feeling like that coming out the other side of it and going, no, these women are amazing. They're brilliant. And it's like, why can't I apply that to myself? Yeah. Why can I look at other women and go, you don't need to lose any weight. And I say it with perfect conviction because I genuinely believe it in my heart when my friends will say, Oh, I need to lose weight. I'm like, you don't, you're perfect. You're beautiful. You're an amazing, all amazing package. Yeah, but yeah. I, I don't want to hear that myself because I'm also secretly going away and counting the calories and things and making those decisions that have yeah, kind yeah. of been programmed into me. So it's like, I don't really know how to reprogram myself. And I also felt like I was falling short on body positivity for that. Yeah. Cause yeah. like if I could flick a switch and be thinner, it would be one less thing for me to worry about. Yeah. Like, and that's the truth of it. I'd love to put a picture and go, you know, big and beautiful, hashtag plush size. But it's disingenuous of me because it's not true. Because at the moment where I am mentally, I still would. I'd flick the switch. Because yeah, yeah. people treat you differently. Mm. Yeah, it's so And true. it's easy to say, own it, love it. But we all, you know, we all know until people are not treated differently. Yeah. It's an easy thing to say, but not so much an easy thing to do. So putting myself in front of people like that, allowing them to look at me, choosing to do that with my time is a bit of a head fuck. I yeah, don't know. I mean, the whole, that whole thing about comedy is exactly <laughs> a bit of a head fuck. It, it, you do think to yourself, why am, I, why am I doing this? I don't have to. Yeah. put a gun at my head. But also, I think it is just such a beautiful way to touch on difficult topics. and. Um, 
like certainly in the work that I do uh, I bring that onto the stage and you know like to go there with the uncomfortable topics of periods yeah. and because I fit the stereotype of women only talk about periods and here I am as a woman talking mainly about periods but it's such like a quarter of our life is periods. well exactly like <laughs> It's, I don't care what people think. It's like, it's a big part of my life. And then talk about bonus and we listen. <laughs> and we've listened for years. We've literally listened for years. It's like, come on, hand the mic over just a few minutes to understand yeah. what half of the population is facing on a daily basis. Like, yeah, totally. Even when you're not having a period, like the emotions that go along with it, yeah. all of the packages, you know, it's... Yeah. And it's I think very everyday thing. Like, yeah, and I think stage is such a good place to air that stuff. And um, because like you're already vulnerable, it's just you, a microphone, and a spotlight. Uh, so you can't get any rawer with that, really. Um, and like to have that space. I mean, being a woman on stage is pretty political, anyway. Yeah. So <laughs> having that stage to to like share your stories and stuff like that is is um, is really key. So. Uh, how so taking in consideration then like how you feel about that kind of stuff like how do you feel about talking about it on stage is there because I don't know sometimes there's like a weird liberation when you get up there because it's like almost uh like a persona to an extent mm -hmm. isn't it like you can be someone else how do you find um like talking about maybe like periods and women's health I know you don't talk about your weight and stuff but do you think there'll be a time when you will feel comfortable with that I'd like to think so. Um, you see, again, it's another thing where you'll be in an all-male audience and you'll see a woman even talk about being quite sexually adventurous yeah. or owning their sexuality and, you know, going out for dates and having sex with men and not calling them the next day. And you can see people, men audibly gasping yeah. because there's a certain woman that fits their view of how women should be. So they're either, if you're a little bit too, like almost like, perceived as frigid or not sexual they don't really like that but if you're also too sexually powerful they don't really like that so you can talk about being on tinder but you can't necessarily talk about getting yours and like using men for sex and you can talk about being bored on a date and liking your cat but not not too much like there is it feels like everybody is so brave and like breaks boundaries each time they get up and do those jokes and I'm a I'm not I've not been very brave in my material. Like I'm quite, um, I keep it quite middle of the road and relatable. And it's like, I've always, it's like a bit of a thing. I was talking because I do interviews with comedians at the moment. I'm taking advantage of the fact they've got lots of time on their hands and inviting them to do into lives with me. Right. And I was saying this to Jordan Brooks because Jordan Brooks had a quote out saying he wanted to be like a subversive version of Michael McIntyre because he kind of respected his craft. And I'm very similar in that I think there's something so beautiful in taking something relatable to everybody and mundane yeah. and making it funny and making it look that easy because you know it's a conversation we've all had down the pub but yeah. expressing it in a way that my mum will laugh at it my dad will laugh at it I will laugh at it a teenager could laugh at it maybe a kid could laugh at it because they know their dad dancing around with a parasol on a resort is funny like I think there's that's the kind of comedian I think I want to be but I do feel a responsibility yeah. to be doing more female focused material because we all represent all women every time we get on stage at the moment unfortunately yeah. if a woman stands on stage and people don't like their comedy they go women aren't funny that yeah. doesn't happen to men yeah not to that degree no one looks at Jason Manford or 
piece of K or Eddie Izzard and, and treats them all the same. You could go to three of those shows, hate all three shows, and you wouldn't go, men aren't funny. Yeah. So I think it's so brave and so cool every time I see women do that. And I always laugh louder and clap harder and make sure I find them at the end. But because um, it's, it's something that I've kind of touched upon over the last few weeks. It's the first time I've ever really wanted to do a female focused set piece because I was on a train a couple of weeks ago yeah. on my own late at night and a man got on my carriage it was a completely empty train because people are scared of corona I was going to visit a friend that was vulnerable so like I was I had a right to be there yes yeah. <laughs> it's on the train literally no one had been on the train for the whole journey and he got on at my carriage and in that way that you are as a woman as soon as a man gets on and you're away you're on your own you know exactly where they are you know, yeah, your spidey senses start tingling. Straight away, he'd done nothing wrong. He'd been no, you know, he no threat to me. He was just a man getting on a train at that point. Yeah, he was roaming up and down my carriage, and I thought it was about eleven o'clock. I was like, oh, he's drunk. Oh no, because I can be a bit of a lightning rod to strange men and women, to be honest. Um, but I started to feel nervous. Yeah, again, and that was the point where I started to feel unsafe, just in a normal situation on a brightly lit train sat down next to me obviously um you can't make uh, that shit up sometimes can you it's no like, yeah sat down like one seat away from me waves in my face I was like oh oh god um it's happening and uh, he said can I ask you a question in that way that men do when they want you to take your headphones off and they're like you already have um it, it was that yeah <laughs> what would you say if I offered to massage your feet great <laughs> I know and that and that was the thing and I was just like I cannot fucking believe this is happening to me you know and you look around you know if you tweeted it that people go oh hashtag it didn't happen at the year awards like yeah. I was there living it and this is the second time in a train journey because a train one of the guys that works at the train station came out to speak to me because I was on my own on the platform and asked how my night was I was like yeah it was fine great how was your night he's like oh are you married and it was just yeah it's just like this this is the second time in an hour because then that guy went on to ask me if I had kids and when I said no ask me why and I was just like <laughs> I just like oh I was tired you know I was really tired so I said to this guy I was like I just uh, it, it's a hard no and he was like well why is it hard no you don't even know me I'm trying to make you feel comfortable because you're a woman on your own on a train late at night and I was like you've threatened me there without threatening me yeah because, of course, it's exactly what you need to feel comfortable is have some stranger touch your feet. I'm breathing down your neck about why you don't want it. And I was like, yeah. look, I just want to carry on watching. I was watching something on my phone. I was like, I just want to carry on watching this and get on with my night. And he was like, why? Why don't you want to talk to me? I'm a nice guy. And he just wouldn't leave it. And this went on. I, I was 15 minutes away from my stop. Yeah. And I went through all of those things that you do. Where are the cameras? Should I get off at the next stop? But then I might be on my own somewhere else. And this is the last train. Like, yeah. But like all these mental calculations went on, but also weird stuff that, that you know, as a comedian, you recognize are funny as well. So like, will, would my mum pick the right photo of me for the news? Like stuff yeah. like that. Where it, oh, my, I looked at my feet and I was like, were my toes asking for it? Cause it was like a peep toe, you know, it's like all these like clashing thoughts together. And you know what? We got off the train. He carried on talking to me right to the barrier, but nothing happened to me, but so much happened to me. Yeah. In that 15 minutes I had, basically comes to terms with the fact that I might be murdered I come to terms with all these things like oh if the news 
if they looked at footage, it would look like we were friends. Like, I have to keep him nice enough that he won't turn violent. So I have to talk to him enough that he won't be offended, but not enough that he thinks I'm into it. All this stuff goes on in your head. And I started to tell it in a funny way to my mates because it was so preposterous. And in that way you do, when you look, when you're inadvertently making things material without even knowing you're making it material. I started telling my mates in a kind of horrified, but also entertaining way. So I started putting those beats in for laughs. Yeah. And I was like, there's something in this because the yeah. comedy industry obviously then all kicked off about like horrible yeah. violence towards women, sexism towards women, like systematic. Very um, yeah, yeah, it was horrible. And I just thought there's an opportunity. We're having a conversation. There's an opportunity for me to take men on this journey that if they'd said it, if they'd been asked by a woman or another man to have their feet massaged, happy days that would just be a really brilliant joke wouldn't it yeah we'd yeah. all laugh we'd all go oh you know because at no point did they feel unsafe yeah so it's that kind of Hannah Gadsby school of I want you to laugh at this and then I want you to know why you shouldn't have been laughing at it and I want you to take away something yeah and I, I trotted out for the first time I was so nervous because you don't want to get it wrong because what I don't want to do is minimize the the struggle of women yeah. it's tiring like twice that happened to me but nothing happened to me nothing I could report to the police nothing I could even complain to my husband about nothing happened to me yeah but everything happened to me and it made me tired and we're having these minor altercations all day so then yeah. when you go to a comedy club and you experience even the smallest fraction of it that is the weight of everything that's happened to you and it's like you can't there's no no escape so I started to write it into a set and yeah I tried it for the first time last week but it's the first time I've thought I really want to work on this because yeah. I want to get it right and I was like I need the jokes to be razor sharp I need the laughs to be big yeah because I need to take them down and this is the first this is the first bit of material that hasn't been a kind of throwaway cheating at a board game against a child because like I said I do a lot of light-hearted yeah nonsensey stuff this is very different direction for me but yeah. I felt like I wanted to do it because I wanted to contribute to yeah. it's, it's important things to raise as well um and I, I find sometimes there's that beautiful because like laughter and stuff and comedy is a way of uh, releasing tension and stuff I mean that's what a laugh is anyway so there's that beautiful yeah. response of like getting people to laugh and uh, relaxing them enough and then like walloping them with like a fact or something like that that makes you think oh my god you know and there's a there's a really beautiful thing in doing that but like you say it's a craft and it takes time to get there and stuff but I don't want to offend or hurt people or hurt the cause along the way so it's yeah of course to yeah. where the safe spaces are to test this material because the the intentions are good but yeah. at the end of because at the end of it um we were all because I was the last act on everyone was chatting about it in a like really on the whole really constructive way like I didn't realize that happened it was great and then somebody tried to make a joke about it and it was you know he's, he was really sweet about it and it was funny he was like oh maybe he's training to be a podiatrist and and yeah and then somebody else another man jumped in and said no, we're not joking about this. This is not for us to joke about this. It's, she's allowed to joke about this. We're not allowed to joke about it. And he did email me later on to make sure that I understood that, you know, we all want to go for the laugh. And it, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Just sometimes you need to read If a man it. had said it about another man on the train, it would have been funny, you know. It's yeah. like, you know, what if you were just thwarting a would-be a physiotherapist who's yeah. just trying to practice? And it's like, under any other circumstance. But it was great to see somebody else jump in and go, because I was uncomfortable then. So it's like, I knew it 
isn't he wasn't malicious and he yeah. is a lovely guy but I also didn't want to laugh along with it because I didn't want to be complicit in the problem so I was a bit like Aah! yeah yeah have another man then step in and go dude that's not yeah that's not cool we're here to listen not to belittle the experience it was really nice I was like it's worth pursuing this because I feel like and it's really nice it's something amazing happens when you step into your own power on that and I know that sounds so wanky like stepping (laughs) into your own power but it is it's like it's that confidence of owning it and um and there there is that beauty on stage I think about owning these stories and uh and making them much more mainstream and like starting up a conversation. Um, Kiri Pritchard McLean is a queen at doing this. She's um, like, she's tackled some really like deep topics like narcissism and gaslighting and all that kind of thing with such like, you are laughing and crying on the same breath. I mean, it was amazing. And it's Um, a craft, isn't it? And that's when you see comedy. Yeah. Yeah. Like the technically brilliant skill that it is. Yeah. But also um, being bold enough to just like say it, like, because it's interesting when we like double check on ourselves and think, oh, I don't want to offend anyone. You're like, someone's just asked me to like get my feet out on a train and won't leave me alone. Like, how much more offensive can I be? Because that in itself is pretty fucking offensive. (laughs) And now I'm worried about offending someone who's already like that has already happened. And now I'm just like retelling the story. But like you say, it's, it's almost having that confidence and conviction in it and then rolling with it because you do feel vulnerable on stage, like talking about anything like, periods and stuff sometimes I'm like oh can I go there I mean when you're chatting with your friends and things like that it's different isn't it you you're because you've got that comfort but then when it's like a room full of people who may or may not be looking in your general direction um I mean you're always (laughs) (laughs) quite sure sometimes Uh, that's fine isn't it you're like yeah I'm much more comfortable getting this out where you look away yes that's on them yeah well I look forward to seeing this stuff for sure because um it's it's pretty awesome the other question that I had for you was any kind of funny um period stories or things that you are willing to share because I love asking my guests this because like the world of periods and hormones and cycles is so freaking weird (laughs) and although we all know it like it's so familiar everyone has a different take on it and uh and just the shit that goes down sometimes is just too too funny not to share i mean you have to have a sense of humor about it you're bleeding like just what and it just gets places it probably yeah. shouldn't and yeah the absolute secret service james bond level stuff you do to get a tampon from your bag to take it to the work toilets because you're like god forbid anybody know like i'd rather than think i was taking like a wrap of cocaine to the toilet than like a tampon (laughs) i was treating it like you're some you know like you say secret service like stuff it's like oh just tuck it on my sleeve what am i doing yeah 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 in fact you make more (laughs) of a like a fiasco out of it and it's more oh, it is. like this whole houdini thing up your sleeve than it would be if you just got it out and you know waved it around no one would take it people wouldn't know what it was either like a lot of men would be like what is that um fan <laughs> yourself with it really yeah. on the way to the toilet no one would know really troll we could really lean into this we should make yeah. this a movement like yeah. 
definitely. I think, well, I mean, I used to work, when I nursed, I worked with obviously a lot of female uh, women. Uh, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it wasn't, it just wasn't a thing. So like that yeah. sort of period banter and stuff, no one, like it would be yeah, like, cause, like, it was like from a few generations ago, it was kind of dirty and shameful yeah. and it yeah. doesn't need to be that way anymore. Oh. And I think that's one thing that I've kind of got over hitting my 30s, which I'm glad to be rid of it. But, you know, when the bar is so low that you could go viral because your dad has gone to buy bloody tampons for you in the supermarket and people are like, that's an amazing dad. And it's like, is it? My dad used to do that for me because he was really like my dad. I could tell him anything. We were, we we're really close. So yeah. he just didn't make a big deal of it. And that is, that is what you should do. Not tweet about it. Like, Oh my God, my dad wanted to know if I wanted the lemon tampons or the lime ones. Like yeah. <laughs> yeah. he just used to go, they were part of the shopping. He wasn't, cov- it wasn't like covering them in vegetables when he put them on the conveyor belt. It was just a part of life. And so that's how I knew it. And it was only probably when I got to like high school that I realized that wasn't true of everybody. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, my dad's head would explode if I had to ask him to buy me anything like that. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> Mayday. Mayday. But yeah, it's, it's a funny old thing and it needs to be talked about more. And that's why I love the bloody good period charity work that's like yeah, Karen yeah. Lloyd and Jen Brister and like everybody's doing to, to bring this front and center to get people to recognize period poverty because it's it's horrendous if it happened to men this wouldn't happen yeah and that's the thing isn't it if this was something that was happening to men we wouldn't be paying tax no. on the sanitary towels and tampons they would be available in schools there would be sanitary towel bins wherever they were needed like it's it's I mean it's ridiculous inequality and it's like small things that could easily be changed yeah totally like I am I mean I use reusable um period products now so I don't always have them in my bag unless I'm like obviously I'm on my period but there are like my periods are the point now sometimes I forget I can forget that I'm on my period so I might leave the house without something and it won't be until I'm on the train I'm like oh for fuck's sake like uh, and then you just have that whole nightmare of trying to go and find something like buying a whole packet which yeah. you definitely want and like, then like oh do I get a bag in boots I don't want to just stride in with my yeah. tampons in my hands it's like but I also don't need a bag because the environment like <laughs> yeah yeah exactly and you're just like if they were just in a bowl in the toilets you would just take one because that's all you need and yeah. that would be fine you'd like you we're know, not going to take the piss with it are we do you know what if people do need them if you do see them for free somewhere and you can't afford them and people do need them i'm all for that as well like i throw some money in to keep them maintained like they could take a pound out of my salary every month and all the salaries of men and women to keep that populated and and you know deal with periods probably for a local school as well it's like We, yeah. we would all do that it's a small thing isn't it so yeah totally but as a like as a 40 year old woman like i still have had to shove loo roll yeah in pants and you're just hoping for the best don't you yeah, like you that thing when you notice like is there a fabric cheers in some of the meeting rooms <laughs> in my office and i've come on and been absolutely horrified where i spent the whole thing like wriggling to make sure there are as many layers of fabric between me and the chair as possible like just because the the horror of getting up and like that happening it hasn't happened yet but yeah more luck than design because like 
Well, you imagine like honest. having to explain that. Like, like I just even now, even like owning it, I'd still probably find that really awkward chat to have. Yeah, like, yeah. it would be ace to just get to a place where you'd be like, "I'm sorry, Dave. I'm gonna have to stop you there. I've got my period. I need to go to the toilet." But it's still and like also, really the pain is so bad. I'm gonna probably roll around on the floor when I'm in there as well. So you know, <laughs> I might be gone for half hour or yeah. so. Yeah, yeah, totally that. Totally that. Oh, it's been an absolute pleasure chatting to you, my love. Um, thank you so, so much for your time. Um, I'm going to put all your links and stuff to in the show notes. So if you want to um, check Vic, Vic out and all her amazing work that she does and podcasts and the like, then you'll be able to find that. But thanks so much for your time and chatting. It's been absolutely amazing. This has been a joy. Please do more of these. I'm going to listen to them all because it is, it is so liberating to actually be able to have these conversations scheduled. Like, it's like, yeah we all have to have scheduled period chats <laughs> until people will have them impulsively yes we do yeah absolutely all right my love you take care and i shall see you soon bye bye thanks for tuning in if you loved it feel free to leave a comment and give us a follow you can find more information on my website thewellwomanproject.com or come find me on the grid on insta or on my facebook page you can also drop me an email, Gemma at thewellwomanproject.com. Any information we've shared today will be in the show notes. Thanks again for listening. Big love, Gem. <laughs>